right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Hey. Uh, fun weekend that was. To KU say the least. Takes down Kentucky in Lexington. <laughs> I finally kind of started to get my voice back over the weekend, and then I went to the Chiefs game last night. Bad. And now I'm, I'm basically losing it again. So not, not totally ideal, but uh, we'll break down the Chiefs game later. We've got some of your normal Monday segments, Case of the Mondays. we got... Um, NFL Monday overreactions. We got some KU audio from the Kentucky game. It's KU women's basketball audio. They got a big win against Kansas State. Case of the Mondays for John Calipari. What a loser. You hate Cal. Dude's a clown. And he just took an L straight to the face because he sucks. Kansas so I, is back, baby. I, to be clear, uh, like don't have any problems with John Calipari and... Uh, other than him being a whiny, annoying loser. No, I actually, I don't know. There's times where I actually am kind of fond of him. Um, <laughs> because, like, I don't know. I I just always, but it, it's more difficult now because the thing to me was, like, you would see certain people be like, you know, I just, I hate John Calipari, Cal, Calipari but I, I at least respect Coach K. And I'm sitting there like, that's completely opposite to me. Because yes. John Calipari, like, at least he... A lot of times he is, he's pretty honest with like the press and everything, and I appreciate that. Um, but Coach K is definitely worse than Ben. Calipari. Yes, and, and that was my problem. Like Coach K was like the the two faced guy, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, like I like I thought like for instance when John Calipari was at the uh, the Oriad, you know, a handful of years ago when they had that game and the guy got him on video as they were like at I don't know the whatever, the, the pizza place in the Oriad or something, and they were coming out back to their place, and somebody was like, you ready to take that L tomorrow? And he was like, yeah, probably. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I found that kind of endearing. Now, listen, I'm I'm not telling you I'm, like, got, you know, John Calipari pictures on my wall or anything, but um, I just, to me, there there's something so much fun about whatever it is, just beating Kentucky, if it's another blue blood, or winning in Lexington, like, yep. there is just something extra. Maybe it is just, you know, beating another guy who is talked about a lot as a head coach of John Calipari. I yeah. Uh, there's something really fun when you do it. I I know it didn't end up mattering and we talked about going oh, into it, the week like Oh, it mattered. I I think it ended up mattering because of what it could mean moving forward that maybe this team has figured stuff out. Yeah. But like it doesn't mean anything for the Big 12 race, but that doesn't change the fact that it was a lot of fun. You got a Bill Self fist pump. Yeah. That doesn't happen a lot. Yep. Yep. That was fun. It was fun. Uh is Kansas back? Yes. Easily. 100%. No doubt in my mind. I've said, I've seen enough. <laughs> I have seen enough. Kane's gonna win the Big Twelve by three games. Mm. Seen enough. By three I've games. Seen all that I need to see. So what? Fourteen and four. Everybody else like eleven and seven. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. However the math works out. That's what I'm telling you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, no better time to be back than the week you have. K State at yep. Iowa State. 
and then uh, Texas after that. So very important, uh, and that's what this game was. It was an opportunity to kind of get back on track, even though it didn't count for the Big 12 State. Like, in a way, you were kind of playing with house money because it was like if you lose, it sucks, and it's not ideal because yeah. now the losses continue to stack, but at least it doesn't count against you in Big 12 play. You get the win, and it does make it feel like you're getting back on the right path because yep. a lot of the things that have been plaguing them or have gone wrong – in the past few games, like it wasn't just you found a way to win because they happened to go two of 18 from three or Grady Dick, you know, went six of eight from three and Jalen went four of six from three and you just, you know, got kind of a, a weird win. You got back on track because a lot of things that have been hurting you were better. Dewan Harris, who had been struggling the previous few games ever since he hit his head against Kansas State, you know, the first few minutes of the game, it was like, uh oh, yeah, he has bad turnover. And then he was in control. Yep. He hits a couple threes. He, eight assists. Eight assists. Yeah, so good with those lob throws. Um, you yep. have KJ Adams with the bounce back. He had four points, what, each of the last two games? Yeah. I think one of six against TCU, something like that, against Baylor. And Oscar Shibway could not stop him. He yeah. just went into his chest and was like, I, I'm supposed to be the smaller guy? No, thank you. Dude, the play where... KJ goes into him and Shibway just falls over. Yeah, that, that should, like, by the way, dude, if you're Oscar Shibway and you are, you, your game <laughs> is being a 260 pound, menacing, physically present big man who just gets all these rebounds <laughs> and is a physical force. I'm sorry, but if you fall down, that should just be an automatic flop. I don't care. <laughs> that should have been a flop. He's getting three inches and like 40 pounds on dude, KJ at unbelievable. least. Unbelievable. And KJ bumps into him and this dude goes down like. Like the Empire State Building, yes, he just, he just crumbles. It's it's something that doesn't make sense. It's like it's like being like, you know, I'm gonna go to a sandwich shop, and then I'm gonna order a bowl of cereal. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Yeah, that, that's um, a tough one. But yeah, fantastic game from KJ. Unbelievable. And, yeah, and uh, I I was I really started focusing more after we heard the comments from Bill Self last week about how KJ does a great job of boxing out his man. And that's why he maybe doesn't always get as many rebounds on the stat sheet. I really paid attention to that, and it was even more true in this game. Like KJ really did a pretty good job overall of nullifying Shibway, right? Like I think Shibway ended up with nine rebounds, and you're like nine rebounds. That's kind of a lot. That's like four under. Yeah, that's like four under his season average, at least. Yeah, no, we said we said on Friday we were like, it sounds silly to say this, but like, but he's if gonna you get hold his, him to twelve rebounds, exactly. you feel great. He's gonna get his eighteen and ten yeah. or his twenty and fifteen. He finished with eighteen points and nine rebounds. That that's that's good, that's that that's a good, good job, good job. Mm-hmm. It's not many times for KJ you're gonna be matched up against a guy and give up eighteen and nine, and you're gonna get a slap on the back and say, right. "Hey, great job out there tonight. You really did your job." But he did. I mean, the, like, truly, it was an excellent performance from KJ. Yeah, on both ends of the floor. Yeah, you have to go back. Uh, he's had only three games this year where he's had less rebounds, and one of them was one of his first games back from the injury that he had at the beginning of the year, so that one doesn't really count. Yeah. Um, and if you go back to the game last year, he had 17 points, 14 rebounds, and that was in a game that they he didn't have to play the final few minutes, too, because they yeah. blew him out. So, yeah, but this, was, this game was really a great all-around game. It really was. I mean, KJ it was, was KJ. great. Yeah. Uh, Dewan was solid. Mentioned him. Uh, Jalen McCuller. Yep. Jalen had another mm-hmm. National Player of the Year performance. McCuller was fantastic on defense. And listen, Hand up here. I'm going to stop slandering Kevin McCuller. He's too good. He's just too good. He is too good at other stuff. 
He really is. I mean, so I'm gonna stop slandering him. Nothing was more. Not that I was slandering him really that much before, but I'm gonna stop. Dude's great. I I think that the biggest moment of the game that you noticed his impact on the defense was when he was off the floor. So he has, he like rolls his ankle, which I mean, big weekend for overcoming sprained ankles, by the way, uh, in the area with Kevin McCullough True. and Patrick Mahomes. Um, and you know he was kind of the key for you in doubling the putt. Like, as great as KJ was on Shibwe, and, and even the the freshman bigs with Zuby and, and Ernest, it was a lot about being able to double. It wasn't just about, like, one-on-one coverage. And you know who your best player at doubling the post is? It's Kevin McCuller. Because yeah. he's quick. He has long arms. He's six foot six. He is a very smart defensive player. He knows how to rip the ball away. Like, he's very good at it. And so the play, like, after he goes out, with the ankle injury, and he's sitting, and Bobby Pettiford comes in, and, and Jay Billis mentioned this on the broadcast, and they give up a three in the corner because Bobby was trying to trap the post and did it too slow, and he got out late to the three-point shooter, and then what Billis said is, like, it's a lot different when you got six 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 seven with length coming at you to contest a three than it is with Bobby Pettiford, who's, like, six feet tall. And those are the plays that you noticed that was kind of the difference there, and then hey, we're back to the point where Kevin McCuller's just going to, you know, not really be able to make threes unless it's the most important three of the game, and then it's going in. Yeah, yeah, which 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 is fine. I, yeah. mean, I, I thought this was an excellent But he had a couple big and ones, and, too. Yeah, he no, I think it was a huge confidence builder for him. Mm-hmm. He was really fired up after a couple of those plays, and, like, that's just the kind of game that I think he needed personally to sort of But I think that's, that's kind of the theme of this game, because that was it for yeah. DeJuan, that yep. was it for KJ, yep. that was it for Kevin McCuller. Yep, and Grady was off, but he hit a big three when yeah. Kansas needed it. So I And mean, Grady also is not someone who, like we saw it, he goes 3 of 13 against TCU. Next game he goes for, you know, whatever, 24 against Baylor. Like, yeah. he's not someone who, he's in the same ilk as Jalen. The the thing that Self makes the comment of all year of, like, Jalen could miss five straight shots, he, he thinks the next one's going in. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the same for Grady. So uh, I don't really worry about them being in long-term ruts because they could have a bad game or two stretch, but I, I don't think it bothers them, I yeah. guess. Uh, but man, Jalen, that elite, literally it, so good. What's crazy because that arguably is the worst of his last four games. Just if you look at like the and he, statistics, and I mean, he was he was fantastic. And yet, it twenty two and eight. So I I don't know. Maybe that's just the difference three, of winning the game. Two steals, nine of eighteen from the floor. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the dude is just on another level. Yeah, and, and I mean it's not. I mean, how many other years do you have somebody in the National Player of the Year race who's a seven-four center averaging twenty-two and thirteen <laughs> on ridiculous efficiency? Where he doesn't really have any other like all Americans on his roster, and that's the only reason why they're like top five. Like that doesn't happen every year. Yeah. So I don't know that Jalen's going to end up winning National Player of the Year because he has that roadblock. But in many other years, he would. I mean, he's yeah. still hanging around the conversation with the stats that he's putting yeah. up now, and like. Yeah, let's say hypothetically Kansas does just go on a run here and run away with the conference. Like, I think you still maybe have to consider him. If Kansas does end up winning the Big 12 by like two games and Jalen is averaging 21 and 9 or 21 and 10, and Zach Eady and Purdue barely win the Big 10 and he's averaging, you know, 23 and 12 or whatever, like, if you're paying, if you really are paying attention to college basketball, I think you would probably recognize that Jalen is the better guy, right? Maybe. 
I don't know. It's I don't know. It's, I don't know. it's, it's, it's hard it's because it's right it's now, up. if you just like cross compare everything, so like Jalen, 21 and a half points per game. Well, Edie's averaging 22.1. So it's like, well, check mark there. Um, Jalen, 8.6 rebounds per game. That's great. Edie's averaging 13. Uh, Jalen's averaging two and a half assists per game. Edie's averaging 1.4. So that's more, but it's not like, you know, it's not like six to two. Um, field goal percentage, Jalen is at 43%. Zach Eady is at 61%. And, and I get it. Yes, with Jalen, he's taking threes. And Zach Eady is 7-4. He's just only taking twos. Fortunately, we have stats developed now like effective field goal percentage, which weight three-pointers being worth more than two-pointers, as it should to you know give you a better idea. Jalen's effective field goal percentage is at 49.6%. Zach Eady's is at 61.2. So, like, it's, it's still that, you know... Um, if we go on basketball reference, win shares, Jalen's at 3.6, Zach Eady's at 5.7. PER, Zach Eady's at 40.3, Jalen's at 22.9. So, like, Jalen's had this unbelievable year. It's just hard. And then you add in the fact that Purdue is 21-1, and Kansas is 17-4. and Purdue's winning the Big Ten, Kansas is not winning the Big 12, albeit the Big 12's better. I think you're right. The one case that Jalen could make that he needs if, if he wants to win the award because the counting stats might not be as good as Edie. It's going to be Kansas going to have to win the Big 12 back a couple games, and Purdue's going to have to start slipping up. But yeah. the point is, that was a National Player of the Year-type performance. Yes, and at the end of the day, like National Player of the Year is great and all, but... Like, oh, I didn't win it last uh, year. National but, title know. is better. <laughs> the Final Four is better. A National Championship is better. So, yeah. But also, something you texted to me during the game was Bill was putting in some of those other bench guys, Ernest and Zuby and, and MJ even. And you mentioned how it kind of made sense that to do this in a game where big picture wise, it's really not that important. So why not get those guys some experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I kept going back and forth in my head with the big specifically, because it was a longer leash for sure for Ernest Duday, MJ Rice, Zuby. I kept going back and forth in my head. Like, is it just because KJ got two fouls? Like, is that why he's giving him a longer leash? Well, but then Zuby got hurt. Yes. So is it is, is that why Ernest got a longer leash? Zuby's hurt. Yeah, but he also played really, KJ's like, two fouls. really pretty well. But then again, like, yes, he did play well. You look at MJ Rice. I mean, he he played. He played okay uh, in the first half, I think. Yeah. Um. I, I don't think he, he wasn't really noticeable. Like, he didn't really do anything right or wrong. But then the second half, he goes out there and he gets a couple minutes of play in the second half. And gives up like back to back buckets, but I don't think if it if it wasn't him basically saying, "Hey, this game doesn't matter to the Big 12, I'll give him a little bit longer leash." I don't think he comes back out there in the second half. So I do think this game, to a certain sense, was good because it did allow you to. This is basically what I was texting you: play a little deeper into your bench, or maybe give a few more minutes to some of your bench guys. Let them work through. You know, maybe in a Big 12 game, they make one mistake, you hook them. Yeah. In this game, it's like, okay, we'll give you a couple mistakes. You know, you have a little bit more of a margin for error before I pull you. And I think that's important for some of the young freshmen. Yeah. One note I wanted to make about Kentucky is I think Jacob Toppin thinks that he's a lot better than he thinks than he actually is. <laughs> that dude kept getting the ball and just just chucking, just hoisting. And it wasn't going in. I worked to Kansas. Yeah, I did. Like he did have that one dunk. You know, I'll I'll say this like in regards to the bench. I uh, 
It, it was one of your better bench games. Now it yeah. wasn't maybe one of the best. I know, and and I'm hesitant I mean, you to, to say I mean, that. There's some, you know, you go back to like some yeah, of the games like Texas like, Southern, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Where MJ scores like 20 or whatever. Yeah. So like, it's kind of hard I, to I say, but I don't count that for this given conversation. Given the caliber because, of the competition, you know, yeah, this is probably the best. And it's funny because you still got nothing from the bench cards. You know, it was all about the bench. But in a game like this, where you're playing the last year's national player of the year at center, and you're worried about your height difference. And you just gave up 18 offensive rebounds to Baylor the game before. Yeah. And they're the number one team in the country coming in an offensive rebound rate. You only gave up four offensive rebounds. KJ only had two rebounds, but it goes back to something we've talked about and something Bill Self talked about last week. Yeah. And sometimes he does a great job out. boxing out the other guy. Now it is going to be dependent on how everybody else rebounds. You saw a lot of times three, four, five guys in the rebound for KU. Kevin McCuller had 12 of them. Um, but I thought I thought Ernest and Zuby Zuby for much more limited time because of the injury did a really good job there too boxing out to allow somebody else to get the rebound. Yeah, yeah. And Ernest, uh, the way that Ernest played, that he didn't Ernest didn't specifically have to match up against Shibway that much. Mm-hmm. They were kind of subbing him in when Shibway was out of the game to sort of give Kansas that edge athletically with with the big in that case. But he still played really really well. And and I think overall like. You look at Kansas' next three games, K-State, Iowa State, Texas. Probably those ne- these next three games for Kansas are going to define how the rest of Big 12 play goes for them, right? I mean, you got these three games, then you got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You got the bat- the rest of the – after these next three, it gets a little easier, quote-unquote easier. But these next three games are going to define how the rest of Big 12 play goes for Kansas. Like, if you're 3-0 in these next three games, you're probably in – in first, in yeah, twelve, yeah, or so tied for first at least. For sure, the number one takeaway was that your starters that had been struggling figured it out. Yep. But I think the number two takeaway is what Ernest Duday did. Yeah, because he just looked very. I know the stats aren't like huge, four points, like two rebounds. I think he had a steal, but the the first lob just, dunk, just the confidence that he played. Yes, with. in the first lob dunk he caught. I don't know how he caught that. I was watching live. I was like, oh, that's a turnover. We've seen this one too many times on these alley oop attempts. But he, he somehow caught it, threw it down. Caught another one, threw it down. And Kentucky is not a very good team at defending the pick and roll. We knew that coming in. We more than found out about it on Saturday. exploited it, yeah. And they did. But give credit to that, and that's going to be important in Big 12 play. And it just, like you said, it gives you confidence. It gives earnest confidence, I think, moving forward. If you can do it against, you know, Kentucky, if you can do it for, you know, times against Oscar Shibway, why can't you do it against anyone else? And, you know, it sucks for Zuby, the sprained ankle. Uh, Bill Self said he's he's going to be out for the Kansas State game earlier today, uh, but he said Ernest Duday is going to be our first big off the bench, and we haven't really seen him declare that this season, right? Every um, game, yeah. I'm trying to think. Like he he hasn't outwardly said it before a game. No, he, no. Well, I think was it after or before the Oklahoma game that he made the comment about Zach Clements playing? Because I think Clements had I think Clements played well, and then after the game made the comment of. Oh yeah, I was gonna go to him first because of what he did last year. I don't think he said that before the game. Yeah, I can't remember. I think that you was might after be right. the game. You might be right. But still, we have seen so much this year. You know, it's this this little guy is the first big off the bench for two, three games, then it's this guy for two, three games, then it's yeah. this guy for two, three games. It has not been committal at all. No. I wonder if that was Bill Self being committal. And if you tell me that you're gonna get a good twenty five minutes to, you know, thirty minutes a game from KJ at the five and Ernest Duday is going to look like that every game, 
for, to where you know 11 minutes exactly you're going to get a good 10 15 minutes a game from him off the bench and now in games where KJ does get in foul trouble you're not like uh-oh you're going okay let's see what Ernest can do yeah that is a huge boon for this team yes. but yes. it's it's weird because it's one game it is one game but at the same point in time because of who the competition was, it feels yeah, it, like it was more for him. Exactly. Yeah. It felt it felt like the culmination of more than just one game. And you know, listen, look at K State. I mean, what what was part of unca- what was part of Kansas's undoing at K State was KJ in foul trouble. I don't think Ernest Kevin even McCullough played. Did foul he? Trouble. I don't think he did. No. I think they went to Clemens and Zuby. Yeah. So you know, the, the, coming up right there, there's the test, right? Like if KJ does get a couple fouls early against K State, it's going to be Ernest. Coming in and seeing what he can do, and and what's surely going to be a, a juiced up environment and an exciting game and a big game for him, but he just kind of felt that, and and Rupp, right, kind of the same idea. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll uh, recap Rock Chalk Pickahawk. We got some KU football news with another addition they've made. Then we'll get to our Chiefs recap. This is RCST. <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl for the third time in four seasons. Let's go! Last night was a... I don't know. It was almost a mix of um, last year's Bengals game and... I don't know. It's kind of like last year's Bengals game just with a better ending, like sort of for the Chiefs, but you didn't get (laughs) quite as much. Like... um, just an unbelievable game. I ended up going to the game. That's why I've kind of lost my voice today. I, I actually, my voice got finally better over the weekend, and then I just decided to like, you know, it was like, it was like yeah, I, uh, I was saying, what kind of decision making is that? It was the Chiefs have a chance to go to the Super well, Bowl. I understand, game. but I mean, no, I get it. I know. I get it. I know. But listen, you know, I've never had that problem because I've never lost my voice, so I've never yeah. had to. I've never had You're to. You're a lucky worry man. Lucky man. Um. It was it was fun and it's it's funny because when you're at the game, when you're just at a football game, you you don't really know what's going on with like the discourse. Yeah, I mean, unless you're just like checking, you know, social media and text messages constantly. But which most times you you don't. There's not much service. Exactly, exactly. So, so you, you can't, can't really anyway. do that either. Nor do I like to because you're you know you're standing you're at there at the game. game. It's like you paid yeah. a bunch of money to go to this game. You're not yeah. gonna you know whatever. So it's like at halftime. I'll, I'll see what I can do. But yeah. Um, so, I uh, after the game, you know, when I'm on social media at night, like checking out like all the videos and, and stuff that happened and the post game interviews and whatnot, and you'll see a bunch of like Bengals fans or, or people like talking about, oh, the refs screwed them and, and did this or that, and I'm just sitting there like, wait, was this a thing? Was that was that like a big conversation last night? This is my response to Bengals fans complaining about the refs: cry more, <laughs> cry harder. Here's your L. See you next year. Suckers. Well, because like I'm sitting here and okay, the one play where it was like a redo play, like that was certainly weird. But the Chiefs ended up getting sacked. Okay, and losing so, yards. So they actually, the, I guess you couldn't see it, but on the broadcast, so they talk about this. Basically, okay. what happened was the second down play was an incomplete pass. Mm-hmm. Second and nine was incomplete. So then it was third and nine. Well, then there was like a, I think they were, they had like a penalty or for whatever reason the ref came on the mic and he was like blah blah blah, blah. clock was on my whistle. So then, when before they snapped the ball on third down, the clock started running. But the second down play was an incomplete pass. 
So then you they showed on the broadcast one of the officials, one of the like the line judges comes running down and is like trying to stop it, but then the play just goes and then they like they basically they couldn't get the attention of enough of the officials to like everybody to blow their whistles to call it to stop it, right? So the play glow the play goes and then they're like, "Oh, wait, actually we got to reset the clock because the clock started when it wasn't supposed to because it was a complete pass on second down." So then they did it again. But listen, the Chiefs got sacked. It ended up being a much worse outcome for the Chiefs anyways. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You ended up actually losing yards out of it. So, yeah. like, yeah, maybe that does suck for the Bengals. But also, it had wanna, no impact on the game. In wanna, fact, it helped the Bengals. I, if you want to cry about the refs, the Chiefs had a touchdown taken off the board by by a holding penalty. Yeah. That they had to kick a field goal. Yes, yeah, so I just I just don't get it. And to begin with, you know, as if you've been listening to the show, like, I, I don't blame refs yeah, one way or another. The, yeah, exactly. Like, and, and neither does You Nick. and I are pretty much on the same yeah. page about that. It's like... The officials like, are just they're just part of the game. Where was all this public outcry in the game that the Chiefs had a billion pass interferences against them in Cincinnati last year? You know what I mean? Like yeah. okay, the Chiefs had five more first downs. They um had forty eight more yards. They averaged half a yard more per play. Yep. They um were still um or, or they had one less turnover. Which their turnover was also a fluky turnover that never happens. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What was that? I what, don't know. Literally, that would have been. I that? mean, that would have been the story of a game, right? What? Yeah. They won though. And okay, uh, but that's like on the top Chiefs of everything, were the better team. On top the Chiefs of everything, the saying the Chiefs were rolling out the bad news Bears at yeah. receiver. They lost Snead in the first quarter. They had about six rookies in the secondary. Joe Burrow had multiple drives with the chance to take the lead in a tie game. Yep. You had multiple chances to win the game. Like so I literally just don't care. I don't want to hear no. any. I don't want to hear it at all. No, and I don't want to hear it. Literally, the only reason that the the late hit on Patrick Mahomes is being talked about with people is because it was the if that play happens in the second <clears throat> quarter, everybody's like, it's a regular yeah, call. That was right. Yeah, it's a regular because it was the good call. It's just that people don't like it that it was in the moment. But yeah, you it's can't a regular call. You can't have it both ways. So um, I, I, I will like, no longer be talking about the refs here because yeah. it's just it's incredibly stupid. The MVS podium game, baby. Yeah, what a performance! Seriously. Best game of his career, honestly. Six for one sixteen. Incredible. Over the course of his career, what he's been is just a deep threat. Yeah. And because all those other receivers got hurt, he had to do a little bit of everything. We saw him yep. catch a screen. Yep. Like I haven't seen that. He made you know? a great catch on a throw down the field for like twenty nine yards. Mm-hmm. The touchdown pass by Mahomes. The touchdown pass. Was incredible. Bo- both of Mahomes' touchdown passes were throws that I don't think there's anybody else on the planet that could have made those throws. Well, just the just the pure the like. One- just the, the balls on fourth and one to, to throw, throw to, to the yeah, end zone like, is like, <laughs> yeah, no. But the touchdown pass to MVS, legitimately, I don't think there ever has been or ever will be another quarterback that could have made that throw. I mean, the amount of arm strength required to make that throw to get it in there before I think it was Hilton in coverage or whoever almost tipped it away. Like, I, I, I there's not, I don't even have any. There's not enough words. There's no words to explain. How incredible that is! Like yeah. how remarkable that is for a guy to be doing that. And by the way, doing it on a on a sprained ankle, right? I mean, he's running around there on a sprained ankle, and it was clearly affecting him. Yeah. No, the throw he had to Hardman that got Hardman hurt, where he had to run to his. That left was a great was, throw yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but that the sprain, you definitely saw it hurt them on a couple of the sacks where he would yeah, have normally you, stepped guess, up and, and I guess ran you for probably, a few yards. You probably didn't see it on the broadcast, but on the Chiefs in the fourth quarter, they had a drive. And I want to say it was like it wasn't a third down play. I don't think it was like a second down play, where MVS was running like a, a kind of a in slant type route, and he was very open, and Mahomes completely missed him, like oh. just threw it straight behind him, totally missed him. 
And on the broadcast, Tony Romo was like, "Yeah, that was probably affecting. That was probably because of his of his, his unable inability to plant, basically, with his with his with a sprained ankle." And still, even despite that, he had 326 yards, yep. two touchdowns, yep. no interceptions. He had the the biggest run of the game with the scramble. I mean, the Chiefs. Uh, when we when we talked about this game on Friday, we were like, "Yeah, I mean, they're probably gonna have to have a good running game," and we kind of yeah. expected them to. Yes, and they couldn't run the ball at all. They had twenty carries for forty two yards. Yeah, I really thought that the run game would be the difference maker. Which team could run the ball better? Well, neither of them could run the ball. Right? I mean, neither team really had any success running the ball all night, and it didn't really seem to matter that much. So you couldn't run the ball. You have McCall Hardman and Kadarius Tony who made some solid plays early. Get Both hurt. out. Uh, Juju, Juju gets out. hurt after making the one catch he had. And now you're down to playing like Marcus Kemp yep. and Sky Moore after having a, a long season of tribes and tribulations playing a bunch. Yep. And Justin Watson was inactive for Justin the game. Justin Watson inactive. So he was not available. And Mahomes just and Mahomes got just, it done. Yeah. Incredible. But I think, honestly, for me, as it, it is incredible for Mahomes. He is the yes. best quarterback in the yes. NFL. This further cements it. It was nice to see him finally beat Joe Burrow. To me, this game was about the defense. This yeah. game was about Chris Jones, specifically. Yeah, Chris Jones was the best player for all 60 minutes, Yeah, I think. Complete and utter dominance uh, on every play. I mean, he was just he was just absolutely destroying everything that, that the Bengals tried to throw in front of him. And on top of that, there were some great schemes to get him matchups that were favorable in the pass rush. You look at that last drive the Bengals had in the fourth quarter, the stunt to get, to get Chris Jones on the outside on the tackle – and then he just bull rushes him straight back to Burrow, gets the sack, right? Like, incredible scheming by Steve Spagnuolo, incredible execution by the Chiefs' defense, and Chris Jones, on top of that, was just, he was just a man amongst boys out there. I mean, he was just absolutely bullying his way yeah. through the Bengals' offensive line. Whatever he wanted to do, he got it uh, against the Bengals, and I'm so happy for him because Chris Jones is a guy that, specifically from the Chiefs' fans' perspective, most, most Chiefs' fans appreciate what Chris Jones does week in and week out as a dominant interior defensive lineman. He doesn't always put up the great stats. He doesn't always get the sacks. He doesn't always even get the tackles. But just his ability to purely disrupt and just how good he is every single week. I mean, this guy has, has been the 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 sort of signal of consistency, right? They just, they just every single week he's just out there blowing up everybody in front of him. And he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves nationally. In large part, I think, in the last couple of years because of a guy like Aaron Donald who kind of steals away the spotlight a lot. But this dude has been that guy for a long time, a long time, in the middle of the Chiefs' defense. And for him to have the game like that in the AFC Championship game, I'm just really happy for him. I'm just happy for him to have that level of a performance on that level of stage so that he can finally get that recognition as being one of, if not the best, interior defensive linemen in the NFL. Yeah, it. I mean, it was so fitting because multiple reasons. One, like you talked about, how good he has been for the Chiefs and the fact that he didn't have the postseason sack, even though we knew he still had all these important plays and that he was opening things up for other players. Exactly, yeah. But you still need to, like, get it done. You know, like, it's like a quarterback. They throw for 400 yards. They clearly had a big impact on the game, but you need some touchdown passes in there too, right? Yeah. And so that was kind of the, the vindication of that. Yeah. Um, that he had been hitting a bunch of doubles and triples, but you're still looking for the home run. And he was able to get it. And he took over that game. They, I mean, it wasn't just like he he was great in run defense, too. The Bengals didn't really yep. run the ball well. Nope. Outside of the one Joe Burrow 
Yeah, uh, he had a scramble. He had those like the fourteen yard yeah. run on the QB draw. Yeah, where they just they, they had a good play call yeah, it was against a thir- it was the Chiefs defense. Yeah, yeah, it was a third and six. They knew Chiefs were in like man, and there was nobody in the middle. If you take out that fourteen yard run, which even if you leave it in, like seventy one rushing yards isn't a ton for them. But if you take it out, they had sixteen carries for fifty seven yards. Well, and Burrow also had another scramble in the game. That's right. That uh, where he duked out Nick Bolton, which was kind of sad. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you have Pirine and Mixon combined, just the running backs, there's thirteen carries for forty one, which is yeah. you know like what three point one, three point two yards per carry. Very good. He uh, had three tackles for loss. Jones had two sacks. He hit five quarterback hits, so it wasn't just the plays that he did get the sacks. Yeah. But then he did make. The biggest sack of the game. He had the sack on the third and eight, third yep. and nine, whatever it was. Yep. Um, that was the play where they ran the stunt to get him on a tackle. Their final just, play on, yep. on offense. Yep. So he was he was unbelievable. And and to go back to last year, he missed two sacks. He had two plays where he had Joe Burrow in the backfield and he couldn't bring him down. Didn't happen this time. And that was the difference in the game. It really was. Yeah. But I, I do think like the whole defense played very well. He was obviously the best player, like you said, on the field. Yeah. Frank Clark, again. Frank Clark had a great game. Just yep. in the postseason Frank every Clark time. Frank had a great game. The secondary had one of their best games. Yeah. George Carlos, dude. With all their rookies, with no luxurious need. You have the, the interception with the tip by Cook to Williams, rookie to rookie. McDuffie was great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just, just you a, had, a great performance by, I mean, by the defense. It was just... A great game plan by Steve Stragnolo executed yep. perfectly, and the biggest reason why I think was the defensive and line. But another you're right guy, with the another guy who, when you look at the stats, jumps out at you is somebody that maybe you weren't paying attention to during the game. Is Mike Dana? I think he had like five or six tackles in the game, and he was playing really well also up front. For so, what, I mean, Chris Jones obviously was the game wrecker, but the entire Chiefs D line had a really really strong game, and like I said, the secondary was phenomenal. Rookies for for the Chiefs. On, in all three phases, right? On offense, Isaiah Pacheco, Sky Moore. On defense, you have Watson. You have Williams. And Watson McDuffie. just gets a pick every game now. Yep. Um, yep. Karloftis had his impact, although Karloftis didn't have as, as significant of a role. But he, no, but he, he had made a sack and felt. another QB hit. Yeah, he made his presence felt. So, yeah, incredible performance by the rookies in all three phases. Well, and I thought it was funny, too, with, with – I don't know. Funny is not the right word, but um, – because we did talk about this on Friday, the idea that you know Joshua Williams was the the starting corner next to like Legarius Sneed was in the slot last yeah, time. McDuffie you the was out. Yeah. Okay. McDuffie was out. Was that what it was? Yeah. McDuffie was out. So Joshua Williams was starting at one of the corner spots, and he didn't have like a horrible game. He was around in coverage a lot of times, but he got beat several times, especially in key moments like on the biggest play of the game at the end. Uh, I think it was to T. Higgins on the pass in Cincinnati. And we talked about on Friday how, well, it'll be a little different this time because Jalen Watson's coming on and he's played really well and he's taken over the spot for Joshua Williams. And now you have Trent McDuffie back and LeJarius Sneed is playing a bit of a different role now, like they're putting him on the big receiver as opposed to just being in the slot. But when LeJarius Sneed had that injury so it, early, it, it was like, okay, well, yeah. Joshua Williams, let's see if you can make amends And listen, the, the Bengals receivers did have a couple of big plays. They did. But, I mean, that's to be expected when you're playing guys at that level, right? No, I mean, just think about it that way. Like, if if not for the Bengals receivers being two of the best, you know, whatever you want to say, 10, 15 receivers in the NFL, they score, what, six points? Because they had the 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 35-yard pass. Kind of double coverage jump ball to T. Higgins for the touchdown. Yep. And then, yeah, the the jump ball and double coverage for for Jamar Chase. If those guys are what the Chiefs had at receiver, (laughs) they score six points. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and I mean, I think the bang. I mean, if we were to fast forward five, six years from now, depending on what happens in those in that time period, like this, this could be a game that is like a watershed moment in the career trajectories of Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Yeah, right. Like th- this, this is going to be a game. I think in the that in the future is going to be one where it's if you're the Bengals, you're like, man, like that was our moment and we missed it. That was our moment to like really, really take down the Chiefs for once and for all for the Super Bowl, and we didn't do it. Yeah, they had plenty and, of chances. I yeah. Through the first half of the game or so, I I I felt pretty like calm and composed in the idea that like <clears throat> I felt like. They well, were in a good position. Okay. The reason I was never worried is because that was just a classic Chiefs game. You dominate the first half, and you have a one-possession lead going to the half. That's what I mean, the Chiefs yeah, do that they, every single week. That's when, what they do. They really should have been up by more because it was 13-3. I mean, to three, The they Bengals the had zero yards of offense in the first quarter. Zero. Zero. Nothing. Bupkis. Zero. The Chiefs had a, over 100. And it was 3 nothing or 6 nothing at the end of the first quarter? It was 6, yeah. 6 nothing in the first quarter? Yeah, and then and then it was, but you should have been up more than half. Is thirteen three? You got the interception. Yep. You, I mean, Andy Reid almost the the yeah, lack you, of yeah, you aggressiveness get the almost with two, cost you a bit. No, 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 no. The over aggressiveness. You get the interception. You're up thirteen to three. You got the ball at the Bengals like forty five with like two twenty left in the half, and you run three straight passes, three straight incompletions. You get you, the whole possession took like twelve seconds. You didn't even hit the two minute warning, and you gave the ball right back to the Bengals. That was the moment where it was like. Okay, Chiefs are going to be down, you know, or it's going to be a tie game at half, 13-13. Bengals are going to go down and score here. But the defense stopped him at least. Well, see, I, I could have sworn they had like a fourth and three there or something. They didn't go for it. And they ended up punting it. Yes. Am I wrong did. on that? Well, I think it was more like a fourth and six. Okay, it was, it was fourth and ten at their 39. Well, later in the game, in the, in the third Maybe quarter. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Later in the game in the third quarter, they had a fourth down and medium at like around the 40, and they, they opted to punt it then, too. Yeah, that sounds right. But So you didn't go, whereas you had the Bengals, the juxtaposition, them going for the fourth and six and getting the jump ball to chase. That almost cost you. And also, it was kind of weird, though, because normally fourth and 10 at the 39, that's a Harrison Bucker field goal. Doesn't mean it's going to go Not in. Not when you're kicking a brick. That's the problem. Into well, the wind. I think last night you saw the problem there. But, uh, yeah, how about the special teams? I mean, Bucker's 45-yarder didn't have much more distance no, on it. No, it did not. It did not. So that's why they didn't kick it, I think, in those situations. But um, yeah. how about the special teams? Bucker, again, stepped up. Great. Yep. Um, when he needed to after having such a tough season. Yep. And the punt return game. Sky Moore, dude. Sky Moore. Yep. Who dropped every punt. Caught two of them. He had a good return the first time, but it got Redemption. called back with a flag. Second Redemption one. for our boy. I saw uh, this today. I, I forget who put it out there, so I apologize. That the, you know how they have, like, the win probability, the percentage? Um, uh, yeah. Before the punt, the Chiefs were, before the punt had gone away, it was 59% for the Chiefs. After the punt return by Sky Moore, it went up to 76%. It was one of the largest win probability changers in a punt return this season. Good for Sky Moore. Chiefs' man. best punt return of the yep. season. As season far as, of redemption. As far as I know. Or, or a game of redemption. And, the bottom uh, line is Super Bowl! We got a Chiefs audio Let's fun go. bag coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Excited Let's go! That. One hour down, two to go. Woo! Case of the Mondays next. This is RCST. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. 
Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How much does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, venue 1235, located five minutes from downtown Lawrence, right off I-70. They are a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and covered patio. They got you covered. Okay, case of the Mondays for today, certainly not me. Today, these types of shows are the fun ones. I mean, oh yeah, I enjoy my, my job overall and, and enjoy... <laughs> you know, ninety nine percent of the shows. Yeah, absolutely. But these ones are the real fun ones for sure. Which, um, the ones where you, uh, like Monday shows or just no, just in after general, big, like after the, big weekend. Yeah, after big okay, weekend, okay. KU Kentucky of the yeah, Chiefs going yeah, to the Super Bowl, yeah. like oh yeah, that type of stuff. Oh that, yeah, it doesn't happen. You know, yeah, every week. So oh, you're right. You're right. Fun to talk about. Okay, case of the Mondays for sports statisticians. The Memphis Grizzlies scorekeeper has been posting fraudulent numbers. Allegedly. Well, we Allegedly. Think. Although... To try it, to help Jaron Jackson Jr. win Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. This is a wild story. Now, you may be wondering to yourself, well, okay, if he's a home statistician, like, yeah, he probably wants his team to win awards, right? Well, it goes much deeper than that. Because with legal sports betting, if you're a statistician, you can yeah. manipulate numbers yeah. to favor certain players. Well, it's like... it's And e- this... This got to the point where some sports books removed the ability to bet on Jaron Jackson Jr. for NFL or not for NBA defensive player, the defensive player of the I year. I saw some places he went from being like he was like the favorite at like minus two something to after this came out he was he went up to like plus one fifty. He was no longer the favorite. Um, it's one that you you like can't if you're a scorekeeper. There's no way you can fake who had what points. Yes, everybody saw it. Everybody knows what happened. It's hard. To fake who got the rebound. I guess there are certain times where maybe it's tipped. Yeah. But like you can probably fake assists like in the sense of if a guy passes to a guy and he eventually scores, you could yeah. technically maybe give extra assists. Um, but you also can't really fake it in terms of if that guy never had the ball or never passed to the guy, how did he get the assist? The one thing that is is easiest to fake is blocks. Or steals. Oh yes. Blocks and steals. So this comes from a uh, Redditor, as in Reddit. Um, And he says, I would like to bring to your attention the scorekeeper of the Memphis Grizzlies. I was wondering how a solid defensive player can suddenly have some specific statistical categories that are completely off the charts. I'm referring to Jaron Jackson Jr., who after missing 16 games or so to start the season due to off-season foot surgery, immediately started having extreme outlier high steals and block statistics, leading the entire NBA in blocks per game by a wide margin. In fewer minutes per game than any other players, Jaron Jackson repeatedly gets outlandish block numbers at home. He decided to take a closer look, and immediately one thing became clear. At home in Memphis, he has 66 blocks in 16 games. That's over four per game. In 16 road games, he only has 35 Averaging two on the road. That's an 89% increase. Yeah, and so overall, when you calculate all of his different stuff, a 96% increase in performance specifically at home Mm -hmm. for Jaron Jackson. Yeah, the steals go way up too. Yep, on defense. That's crazy. 
Isn't that wild? And like, you know, normally it would, this would be like, okay, you know, that's kind of eyebrow raising. But in the era now that we live in of sports betting, where this stuff can affect dollars for a lot of different people, it's it's like now you have to wonder: is there more of this? I mean, is it? I mean, think about it. If this guy told all of his friends, or he himself was like at the beginning of the season has determined to himself, I'm going to manipulate these stats and I'm going to bet a bunch of money on Jaron Jackson Jr. to win the Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe. I mean... This guy said he only watched two of the games where he had eight steals plus blocks combined. He didn't watch them all, but uh, he actually had three fewer than he was credited for. Yeah, so so the guy actually said that he went back and actually watched when and where he was credited for a block or a steal and there was... Definitely some misleading information. I mean, this, this goes think, on and on. Do but. you think this goes on in other places or more often than not? I mean, listen, yes. we know about the idea of like the home clock operator, right? Where, oh, you let the clock run a little yep. more when the other team's got the ball. You stop it quick when you're, t- you know, things like that. Does it, does it bleed into this? Do you think this is, how common do you think this is? Um... I think it's common to a certain sense. Like, I think it's common. What I talked about with, like, assists. Like, I, okay, I'll, I'll just say this. I think it's very common overall to different levels. I think it's very common in baseball specifically. Because baseball, in baseball, for sure, you yeah. have your home scorekeeper. And it's like, that was a hit. That was an error. Yeah, you can basically. Oh, it's a no hitter. That was an error. Right? Yeah, you can basically declare almost anything you want in baseball. I mean, I've seen arguments. Really heated arguments take place over over home scorekeepers making various calls, right? Like either your pitcher, you know, maybe you, your pitcher has a really great ERA and you don't want his ERA to tank, so you call what was a hit and error against the defender so his ERA doesn't get affected, or, you know, you don't want to lose whatever, this, that, or the other. Like, I think in baseball it happens a lot. And I think in baseball it's the easiest to manipulate. Yeah, I no, I do think it happens the most in the NBA with assists. Like if you have a good point guard and you want them to – Put up good stats, put up double doubles. Like I'm sure it happened with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, because I don't even know. I mean, is there in, is there any sort of rule book that specifically states what constitutes an assist? No, probably not. So I like, mean, is it like if I'm a to a guard, guy and he takes one dribble, is it an assist? Yeah, I don't or if know. he takes two dribbles, is it an assist? Like That's at what saying. point does it when you step when you pass it to him, at what point does it become not an assist? Like what if he passes to the guy and he's at the wing just standing there, he catches it, faces up on the guy, then takes three dribbles into lane, makes a contested layup, and the guy just gives him an assist. Because he's like, oh, he's the last passing <laughs> ball, and he scored. You know, I'm sure that does happen sometimes. But to this level... Yeah, or he passed to a guy, and he to ISOs this, and scores. Yeah, to this level where you're just, like, making up blocks and Yeah, th- this steals, seems pretty egregious. I, this seems a very aggressive. Yeah, very aggressive. This does seem pretty egregious. Okay, case of the Mondays for Jeff Goodman. The National okay. College of Basketball. I feel like writer. we could have this guy on Case of the Mondays literally every single week. <laughs> Is that mean? A little bit, but uh, I don't know. He he's very brash with his his takes, so you know you're, you're going to open yourself up to criticism. Um, he, I, I I guess he was the one National College basketball guy that didn't get the memo. The Big Twelve was playing the SEC all weekend, or and also forgot that LSU is not in the Big Twelve. Because Texas Tech beat LSU in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Jeff Goodman tweets, Texas Tech finally with a Big 12 win. Red Raiders now 1-8 and eight in league. Uh, Should we tell him? I was like, I was like, I was reading it and I was like, am I like missing a joke here? 
I was like, it, it, it can't be that wrong. Like, come on. Come on. But no, I, I guess, uh, yeah, he, he deleted the tweet, so you won't be able to find it anymore. Okay, this Screen, one. Hey, screenshots never die, though. Yep. Uh, Bill Self's laundromat, case of the Mondays. After years of the laundromat not having, you know, to... Basically since COVID. Yeah, yeah, to... Because, you know, it's one thing, okay, whatever. If I, I've never been a, a person who works at a laundromat, so I don't know. I would just imagine work is more difficult if you have to steam out or do work to, like, a nice suit. Especially if it's a very nice suit, which, in the case you know, of Bill I mean, Self... You don't want to mess it up. Yeah, like, those are very nice suits. Whereas, you know, the quarter zips he has are very nice, too. But a good quarter zip is going to cost anywhere from, like... I mean, the ones he has are probably somewhere between 100 and 150 bucks, right? Yeah, 150 A nice suit could be thousands of dollars, right? Potentially, yeah. So you're like, you're, you're, I don't know. There's just a lot more pressure in getting everything right. But KU and Bill Self and the coaches, they've been wearing quarter zips and haven't been doing the suit thing since COVID, like you talked about. Well, uh, we got a suit game from Bill Self and the coaching staff last game. It was for specific reasons, but... KU snapped the losing streak. KU won a game. Bill Self has been known to, like, when they got blown out by Villanova in, like, 2006 or something, and they, they like, never wore the red jerseys again for a long time. They, they've since worn them, but um, a little bit superstitious in that regard. Do you are think you, Bill Self goes back to the suit game? That's what I was going to ask you. Was, are, you are you in favor of suits every single game? I'm kind of down for it. Honestly. I kind of am, too. I, I think, think it would be... Really fun. Be refreshing like, again. Because like, yeah, exactly. Now it's like you know, hardly any coaches wear suits, right? And you, if you bring it back, like you'd be so cool, you know. I'm I'm down for it. Well, like Nate Do Oates it. wears a suit every you game. Know? I got. I think so. I saw him wearing one last game. I don't know. Maybe that was for the same reason that, like, Bill Self and his staff were. Um, I I think it's it's classy. Yep. It looks cool. Yep. Makes it look very serious. I would understand if the coaches don't want to because it's obviously not as comfortable, but there was something cool about it after years of not having it, getting to see it again. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. We'll I see if they go back that. to it. Yeah. The haters. Case of the Mondays. <laughs> it's a bad day to be the haters, Derek. Kansas is back. The Chiefs win the AFC title after everyone, and I mean everyone. Oh, the Chiefs aren't even the best team in their division. The Chiefs are going to be. The Chiefs are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> Cry me a river. Haters. That sucks. Case of the Mondays for the haters. That's all I got to say. All right. Uh, the wins speak for themselves. <laughs> Clemson head coach Brad Brownell trying to explain why Brevin Galloway is out. <laughs> Did you see this story? This is incredible. <laughs> he yeah, has it was, a- it was wild. So okay, first yeah. of all, what I what I love most about the story is there was there was no like okay, you know how normally like if a player is like declared out, then maybe afterwards they post something. Yeah. This was the opposite. This was like nobody was aware anything was going on, and then Brevin Galloway, one of the players for Clemson, randomly posts an Instagram video of him in a hospital bed, in which he claims that after a practice he took a nap, and when he woke up, his uh his his his. Special testicles, area. His testicles, testicles. That's the medical term. Exploded. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote, exploded. And he had that surgery at the hospital. Okay. <laughs> so, obviously, he's going to be out. So, then, Clemson tries to scramble and it's like, <laughs> okay, well, what yeah, do we do about this? For a couple days. Yeah. 
And the best is part that was, all? He's only out for a couple days. I, I don't know how long he's gonna be out for. The best part was watching on ESPN, like the ESPN bottom line, and it would said Brevin Galloway parentheses testicles out for the next two games. <laughs> you know, whatever like intern got to write that was like this is the best. This is the best day I've gotten to work here. Um, that's uh, I mean gruesome injury first of all, but yeah, that's I don't even know what the injury was. I don't I I mean I don't want to really think about it honestly, but. Well, it's just like, yeah, I mean, if you're the head coach and somebody asks you... And like, what are you like, supposed to say? Yeah. Like, like hey, your, hey, your player posted an Instagram video in which he kind of yeah. graphically described uh, an injury. Care what are you sh- supposed to do? Care to share your thoughts? <laughs> um, he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, the next... Every presser now, it's going to be like, can, can you update us on uh, Brevin Galloway's balls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and uh, not his basketballs. <laughs> All right. Case of Mondays, Kellen Moore. He was the offensive coordinator of the Cowboys... He was fired. He gets added hey. to. We we talked about this like a week or two ago. You know. Okay. Qu- sorry, I want to interrupt real quick. Mm-hmm. You know who's not having case of Mondays because of this story? Who is people who are I guess news dumps. I mean, this, they they this was tweeted out like literally in the middle of the AFC and NFC title games. Just trying to sneak it in there. Mm-hmm. Whoop! Great See, news dump. Well, so. He was fired by the Cowboys. He he was on that list that we talked about like a week ago of guys who were offensive coordinators, got interviewed for like head coaching jobs, had been rumored for different head coaching jobs over the past few years, gets fired eventually. I will say, though, I don't know if this removes him from Case of the Mondays or maybe it makes it worse because now you go to a franchise with a head coach that could be on the hot seat, but uh, he just got hired by the Chargers to be their offensive coordinator. Yeah, so, okay, a couple things. Number one, am I the only one that's a little confused as to why he got fired? I am too. You're confused. I'm I am I'm because confused. it's like, like I, I, I don't really understand why we're just blaming him for Dak Prescott for, for everything else. You yeah, know? I don't, I don't get that at all. Number two, the re- and the other reason why he's on here for Case of the Mondays is now he can go properly choke with the Chargers. Now he can go properly lose with the Chargers. Choking the playoffs, right? Like with the Cowboys, you know, Cowboys choking the playoffs, right? But the Chargers, man, they could take it to another level. So it's like he did his apprenticeship choking in the playoffs with the Cowboys. Now he's on to the real job of truly choking in the playoffs with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Makes no, perfect it, sense. It, it would be perfect. Makes perfect sense to me. Okay, last one. Traditional sports video game cover athletes. You know, typically when you see like, oh, who's on the latest Madden? You know, it's, it's like Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes. it's yeah. Tom Brady, yeah. it's, I don't know, some flashy player who's very good, like Justin Jefferson, um, right? Yeah. And in baseball, like, for instance, in MLB The Show, which is the baseball video game, the recent cover athletes, like the the one this past year was Shohei Otani, right? like renowned oh, yeah. as one of the best players, if not yep. the best player in baseball, Super two-way star. player, right? Yep. Superstar, We've yeah. seen recently, like, other guys, like... Uh, Mike Trout's been on it. I think, yeah. yeah. I don't actually, I don't think he has. You don't think he hasn't? No, I don't think he has. Oh. Uh, but we saw, like, Bryce Harper, you know, was won an MVP. Uh, Fernando Tatis, the year he won MVP, was on it. Like, Aaron Judge has been on it. Ken Griffey Jr. Right? I mean, it's it's guys you consider, like, MVP candidates. Yes. They just announced today for 2023, Jazz Chisholm. Who? You don't watch a ton of baseball, correct? I, I mean, I 
Uh, not not really, no. Do you know who Jazz Chisholm is? Yeah, I know like, who Could is. you tell me his position and what team he plays for? I know he plays for the Marlins. Okay. Do you I, have any idea what position I, he plays? I assume he's like a shortstop? He's like second base outfield. Okay. I mean, close enough. Um, okay. I... I never. I, I mean, maybe I, I, listen. I can. I well, can no, agree no, this. I, the reason I, I haven't asked, watched the Marlins game in the last three years. But that's kind of the point here. Like when, when you go with this, uh, I don't know. Like okay, I do get it from one standpoint. Jazz Chisholm is a very exciting player. I know he's. he's uh, yeah, I know he's a pretty good player. He steals a lot of bases. He hits a lot of home runs. Doesn't hit for a lot of average, but he's power and speed, and he's a flashy player. Okay, I get it. He's exciting. A lot of people like him. He played sixty games last year. Oh. That's not very many. Like, imagine if I'm trying to think of an NFL player who got injured like midway through the season or, or at the beginning of the year. Um, there's somebody like I don't know, Trey Lance. Sure. Well, like Trey Lance was never. Yeah, Trey Lance was like Lamar. Good. Lamar. Perfect. Perfect. Imagine after the season Lamar Jackson had misses the end of the season. Like Even the last, Lamar played like last, a bigger percentage of the Lamar, game. Lamar missed like the last eight games. Was it that much? He missed a lot of games. Okay, so that, that is probably a good equivalent. But he, even was then, my, he was on my fantasy team, and he I can tell I can assure you he was not playing. Imagine if he was on, on my Madden fantasy next team. year. You'd be like, wait, this is the year he's on Madden? He was just on there a couple years ago after he won MVP. Um, and again, Jazz has been objectively a fun player. He had a, a good season in limited games last year. He's played 184 games in two seasons. It's kind of weird. But whatever. It's, you know. People don't actually buy the video game because of who's on the cover. I just find it kind of weird. That's the case of the Mondays. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Chiefs Audio Fun Bag. Excited for this one. Next. Don't have a ton of time for uh, NFL Monday overreactions today, but that's okay. There were there were less games, so maybe a little less to overreact to today. Yeah. In certain ways. But uh, still excited for it because... <laughs> Still is stuff to overreact to. It was hard to come up with a ton of overreactions for the Eagles 49ers game, I feel like. Yeah, because the game sucks. Exactly. And it's like when you have Brock like, Purdy getting injured and it's Josh. What am, what am I going to overreact to Josh Johnson about? Oh, Josh Johnson should have retired a year ago. Like, uh, what? Okay. Not fun. Anyway, what, what do we have this week? All right. So let me get the music rolling here, actually. Hmm? Here we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. There we go. That's the good stuff. All right. First up. Chris Jones is and always was better than Aaron Donald. Ooh, no. Well, I'm actually, okay. Chris Jones is better than Aaron Donald right now. So not an overreaction. I Where where I split off is the always. Like Aaron Donald's. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, even as I was writing this one up, I was like, man, you know, like, yeah, Chris Jones is, is top three top two defensive tackles, but man, like 2019, 2018, like... Aaron Donald was he was getting, having a stretch yeah. as dominant as any defensive player since like Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really hard to it's really hard to make the argument, but I think you can say he's probably better now, right? He I, certainly had a better season that, this season. Yeah, and I know it's and easy Aaron to Donald be like... contemplating retirement, that's and the Chris thing. Jones like, is still chugging along and as like, you know, still a top two, three guy. Yeah. Like, I know it's easy to be like, well, the Chiefs are a playoff team. The Rams are not. So it's like, it's easier to focus on the winning well, guy. Think, didn't Aaron Donald get hurt too, though? Yeah. He had to play through, through some injuries. He like missed, uh, I don't know if he missed a couple games at the end of the year. I know he missed the last game of the season. I, I think pro football focus graded out Jones better. Like the stats like Jones better. He was more disruptive. This is the best season of Chris Jones' career. Would you agree? 
Yes. I mean, he's had other really good seasons. but Emotive, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you add it up with what he just did in the playoffs. That obviously helps. But even in the regular season, it might have been his best. Like, he had 15 and a half sacks in the regular season, which tied him for 2018 when he had 15 and a half. But that 2018 season was the year the Chiefs defense was, like, bad. <laughs> and they were just on the field so much that him and D Ford had a bunch of sacks because there was more plays. He still had a good season, but there yeah. were more plays. Yeah. This season he has the same amount of sacks. Um he has more tackles than that season. He has the same amount of quarterback hits. Uh tackles for loss is comparable, only two less. So I, I guess you could argue that one. I don't remember this. He had an interception that year. It must have been on like a screen pass or something. <laughs> but he has just been so disruptive all season long. He's been yeah. so incredible. Yeah. I if they did NFL Defensive Player of the Year voting after the playoffs, he'd be in real consideration to win it. And I, I, I to so. be clear, I think we both agreed he should have been in real consideration anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that he would have won, but probably not. Should have been in consideration. I, yeah, I got Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, Michael Parsons is really yeah, good, but like yeah. Chris Jones is as good as any defensive player in the NFL this year. And yeah. yes, this year better than Aaron Darnold. Patrick Mahomes to Marcus Kemp is a better connection than Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson. <laughs> um, so it depends how you define this. If you're looking at it from like a fantasy standpoint, or if you're looking at this from a, you know, what's going to put up better numbers. Like hypothetically, if Marcus Kemp was the Chiefs' number one, Justin Jefferson would have better numbers than Marcus Kemp. And also, Kirk Cousins would probably in that situation. Okay, but does Kirk Cousins have 100% completion percentage when throwing to Justin Jefferson? No, I don't think true. so. That is true. No, he also, doesn't. Also, Kirk Cousins, afraid to throw to Justin Jefferson in key playoff moments. Yes. Didn't get a single target in the fourth quarter. Yes. Patrick Mahomes, not afraid to throw to Marcus Kemp in the fourth quarter. Correct. So yes. from that standpoint, Facts. not an overreaction. Also, 100% agree. if we're just looking at it from a winning standpoint, I think you take Mahomes to Kemp. Than Cousins Jefferson, and it's not because if they have a hundred. Listen, when they complete, when he completes a pass to Kemp, they win every game. It's only well, one there's game, that, but, but also it's just I, I think it's more about just what Patrick Mahomes is. You give Patrick <laughs> Mahomes anybody. I mean, Marcus Kemp had like twenty more career tackles than yep. catches yep. coming into the game. Yep, he's the best guy. You give Patrick Mahomes anybody, and it's going to be better than Kirk Cousins with the best receiver. That sucks, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Okay, this loss will permanently break Joe Burrow and the Bengals for the foreseeable future. I, I'm going to say this is an overreaction because I do think Joe Burrow is sure? very good. But Are you sure it's an overreaction? I do. There is a I mean, part of me. I mean, is it that crazy to think that Lamar comes back and the Ravens are the best team in the division and the Steelers have another solid year and maybe the Bengals don't even make the playoffs? Yeah, so I'll be honest. I don't think this is as, as crazy as, as maybe it does sound. So I, I do sort of agree with you that now— Let's not forget, the Bengals had won 10 straight games. They had been an absolute dominant force. Joe Burrow is still very good. But there are some little cracks that you can point to. For instance, did you know Joe Burrow? He has uh, played seven games in his postseason career. Did you see the stat? I didn't see it. What is it? Would you like to guess how many fourth quarter touchdowns he has? Zero. Zero. Seven playoff games. Man. I know that's not to be all everything, but no, like not. that is kind of important when you're the quarterback, and that's like you gotta have the clutch kind of your job at we, the end of games. Joe does have that exactly. But he has not. been clutch, but that that just I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and again, I still think Joe Burrow is like the second best quarterback in the NFL. Um, and then you kind of look at it as like some of the lucky breaks they've gotten here over the playoffs recently. Like the the Mahomes, if, if the Chiefs would have lost, that Mahomes fumble would have been like the play that, that changed things. Yes. They were up 20 to 13 with the ball driving around midfield. Yep. And 
that would have been a great break. The break they had in the Ravens game. They yep. should have I mean, lost, the lost the Ravens. Ravens. They should have lost, lost the Ravens. Um, you go back to last year. Joe Burrow gets sacked, what, like nine times against the Titans? No team wins those games. And they had the Titans, they needed like an interception around midfield to avoid the Titans kicking a game-winning field goal. Instead, they get the game-winning field goal. Um, you look to the Chiefs game last year where they had the crazy comeback, like, or the Raiders game where there was like the discounted yep. touchdown. It's taken a lot for them to get where they are. So, um, it's only going to get harder from here. Once they pay Joe Burrow, which might be this offseason, and the rumor is he could be getting like $60 million a year, they're going to get to a point here in the next year or two where they're not going to be able to afford to have both T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and maybe even Tyler Boyd and like a Joe Mixon. Like you look at the Chiefs, you couldn't afford Tyreek Hill. That sort of and, and, roster and crunch is going to come. And the, the Eventually, Tyreek Hill is going to get a head coach. They were job. trying to give Tyreek Hill like a lot. Yeah. And they got outbid. They couldn't yeah. afford it. So, like, eventually they're going to start losing players on the roster. So, it's only going to get harder for the Bengals. I just think Joe Burrow is that good that he'll eventually win a Super Bowl. But I also don't think okay. maybe we're to a point where, like, would you take Joe Burrow over one and a half Super Bowls? I don't know. Probably not. No. No. The Eagles got the easiest run in the history of the NFL to the Super Bowl. So this is hard because I'm struggling to think of other ones off the top of my head that would compare. I mean, dude, they got the Giants. I know. And then they got the Niners with no quarterback. Yeah. How does it get any easier but than like, that? It's easy to say that. And, like, the Niners, even without a quarterback, I know Brock Purdy did well, but he still wasn't, like, this great quarterback. They were still killing teams. And, like, the thing that gets me is nobody was able to score on the Niners' defense except for the Chiefs and, weirdly enough, the Raiders. The Eagles put up 31 on them, you know? So, like, even if Brock Purdy plays... I don't know that they would have put up 31, though. No, maybe not, but I I think that they're probably at some point is somebody who got an easier path. Maybe not. Okay. I don't know. That one's just hard to tell yeah. without, like, the history no, in front of me. Brock Purdy will never... Go into an NFL season as a starter for a team. So you look at next year, 49ers could go for Tom Brady. They could just have Trey Lance stick around. Or maybe they do go to Purdy. But I thought his best chance, if he wanted to be a starter, he for sure had to make the Super Bowl. And I know it's not really his fault because he got injured in the UCL. Obviously, I expect him to start again at some point. Because if you're just a backup in the NFL, which I think at this point he's proven he can at least do that, you'll get a start. But to start the season as a starter is a different story. All right, last one really quick. If Travis Kelsey completed the laterals of Derek McKinnon, it would have been greater than the Philly special. Yes. By the way, was that a planned play? I assume it was, yes. Because he was so far no, away. I, I assume he was it, so I far assume away. it was planned. But the one in against fact, the Lions a couple fact, of years ago was saying, not planned. In fact, I re- as I recall, yeah, they ran. They had that play against... No, it know, wasn't planned against the Lions. Okay, but they, still did, it. they still did it. I don't think it was planned. You know, I really don't. Planned? He was so far away. He was like half the distance <laughs> of the field. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. It would have been greater than the Philly special. <laughs> Two hours down, one to go. This is RCST. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got some uh, KU Women's Basketball audio that we're going to get to you coming up here. In about 20 minutes from right now, Kansas took down Kansas State yesterday on the women's front. 13-point win at home, so good win for the KU women's team. And Is that possible foreshadowing? Of yeah, that night? could be. One would hope. Um, yes. So we'll have that audio coming up. We also have some KU men's basketball 
post-game audio from the Kentucky game with both the players and Bill Self, and we'll have that for you later in the hour here on RCST. Uh, just kind of resetting to some KU basketball Chiefs stuff in just a second. Um, with the Chiefs specifically, did you know you can listen to the big game on KLWN? So not this Sunday. It'll be the following Sunday. And coverage is going to be brought to you by Victory CDJR. They're the Victory Auto Group, but specifically they have the Victory CDJR, the Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, in Ottawa and are now the new owners of Victory Chevrolet and Victory Ford in Garnett, Kansas. So check them out. They're going to help bring coverage of the big game coming to KLWN in a few weeks. Uh, Chief State down the Bengals. Chris Jones was the best player on the field. And Patrick yep. Mahomes was probably number two. So you had the two yep. best players. One on yep. offense, one on defense. That usually gets it done. Equals W. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And Bengals L. That sucks, Bengals. <laughs> Try more. Please. How concerned are you about the team's health headed into the big game? Mm. There's a lot of injuries. Okay. All the receivers are dropping I'm like think flies. Of how I can explain this without making it sound like I'm an idiot? I am concerned, but also not concerned. Ah, very <laughs> informative. Go on, tell me more. Okay, I okay of the receivers: Nicole, Kadarius, Tony, and Juju. Opt, I am optimistic that at least two of those guys should be back. If I had to guess, probably Juju and Tony. I'm less optimistic about Mikol. With Legarius Sneed, it looked like he maybe had a concussion, so I'm I am hopeful that he could clear protocol in the next two weeks. It really does help you that you have the extra week for all this. So he should be fine. Mahomes will be fine. Kelsey's fine. So really not that concerned. But a little concerned. So like maybe if, right, as of as of today, like a four out of ten concerned. I saw McCole Hardman doing a uh, one of those on-field interviews, and okay, so maybe he was fine. He said, he he like briefly, like quickly said it. He's like, "Oh, I'll be fine by then." Okay, but I don't know how if he actually knows that or not, I think or if as he's long just as, like, like trying said, to be optimistic. As long as two of those three are healthy, yeah. I think the Chiefs will be okay. It just stinks because it was like finally this is going to be the week. Yeah, and he, had a, and he had a big play. He made he a big did. play before he went out. Yeah, no, yeah. but it was like finally the week that you have McColl and Tony, and it's like those are two really exciting, fast weapons who are good with the ball Listen, in their hands in open field. I I am close to maybe restarting my narrative about Tony. That <laughs> oh, he gets hurt all the time. <laughs> well. We'll see. So far it's. We'll see. I feel like have we had a stretch longer than two games without an injury there? I don't think so. No. It's unfortunate because he is very good. Yes, I mean that that it didn't end up being a touchdown, but that was close to being an incredible catch. Oh yeah, if you would have yeah. held on. Yeah, yep. Now certainly the game for the Chiefs, um, it was it was a game where early they were playing conservatively, like they kicked the field goals, and and I don't know that they were the wrong choice necessarily, but no, um, I guess I think you the could've... one the one that was maybe the wrong choice was when it was like fourth and eight. In the third quarter, the one that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, well, you did have, I guess, on the second one that got called back with the holding. You ended up having, I think it was fourth and goal at the six. Yeah. but the, And it was what? three nothing. Three nothing. And it was like, well, Maybe. how much does a field goal really do here? Because it's still going to only be up one possession. Um, but it's so early in the game that yeah. you can't view it as, oh, it goes from one possession to one possession. You have to view it as, well, long term, we're, we're trying to get more points. Yeah. Um, so I, I get it. But... Um, 
it, it felt like a game that you should have been up by more at half. Yep. You but weren't. Again. But at the same point in time, there's part of me that wonders if that was for the better. I know. You were I 100% up by agree. so much at half I 100% last year. agree. So, okay, listen. I'm going to try to articulate this, mm-hmm. this, 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 this take. When the Chiefs get up by a lot, Andy Reid tends to activate like ultra conservative mode, okay? Which is fine, except here's the issue. When you look at when he does that, he generally is then unable to deactivate conserv- ultra conservative yeah. mode. So we've we've seen games where the Chiefs will get up big, and then it's like that the other team makes a little closer, and it's like okay, now we can go back to letting Pat sling and do our thing, and it just doesn't happen. They just stay in that mode the whole game, the rest of the game. Okay. Or when they do go back to Pat slinging, it's like out of rhythm. It's like now. way too late. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. So this is a perfect example of this game against the Bengals. If that game is like twenty to three at half, okay, there's a possibility that Andy is like, all right, let's put it in park and just pack it in, park the bus for the second half and try to get out of here, and the Bengals come back and win, okay? Because that's happened before in the past, right? So I don't, I agree, I don't think it's a bad thing. And the other thing is this, I said this earlier. I don't understand why people are so concerned at the, at the end of the first half, like, oh, the Chiefs should be up by more. The Chiefs do that every week. That's what they do. That's who they are. They outgain the opponent by 200 yards, and they're up by four. Okay? That's what they do. That's who they are. So what's the, what, I don't understand what you're so concerned about. Every week, it's the same deal. And every week, uh, I see people like, oh, no, the Chiefs should be up by more. That's what they do. <laughs> so why are you getting all concerned about it? Mm-hmm. That's who they are. Chill. It's fine. And it was fine. It was. And gen- nine times out of ten, it's fine. The only time it wasn't fine was against the Colts. It's been fine pretty much every other scenario. But, no, I, I agree. I I prefer – well, listen, I've told you this. I prefer the Chiefs to be losing early in games, yeah. first of all. Yeah. I prefer that they don't get a big lead because, like I said, Andy doesn't know how to restart the bus once he's parked it. So – Yes, I prefer it's closer. They don't get a big lead early. Because then Andy parks the bus and it just he, he can't get it going again. He can't move it. Yeah, He's I stuck I, in that mode. It is kind of like a, a good spins bone and spin zone in that way. Um and then you kind of had the the cross comparison of like the Bengals made the key stop at the end of the half on the Chiefs last now that was to keep them without any points. Um, because they mishandled it, but the Chiefs this year making that stop at the yep. end to yep. hold them to three as opposed to seven that was huge. Chris Jones got like a big pressure up the middle. Yep. Um, and then the second half, you know, I I thought the drive where it's twenty to thirteen, Joe Burrow throws his second interception, the one that got tipped up, and then was it Thornhill that came down with it? Who no, it was Williams. Williams, Williams, Joshua Williams. Yeah, it was rookie to rookie. Brian yeah. Cook to Joshua. That's right. Williams. That's right. And the Chiefs start driving. They get to. I think it was like the 45, something like that. And at that point, you're sitting there because I, I think there was 10 minutes, maybe? There was still quite a bit of time. 12 minutes. Yeah, there, there was plenty of time for, for them to go down and score and everything. But it was to a point in the game where it was like, if the Chiefs go down here and get a touchdown, go up 27-13, there's not a ton of time left, and then the Bengals would have to be perfect. And you basically put them in a vice grip. And that play where Mahomes fumbled the ball, it felt 
like everything that like when we see the Chiefs lose playoff games, it's weird plays a lot of times. I mean, like, just well, dude, just circle back to the game in, in Cincinnati earlier in the season. Same deal. You're up 24-20 with the ball. Kelsey. Like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. To where if you, if you would have lost the game to the Bengals this time, again, yeah, the play you would have circled back was that one. And that would have meant your two losses to the Bengals this year would have been uncharacteristic fumbles from your two best players on your team who are going to be surefire Hall, Hall of Famers. Yeah. That, that would have been incredible. And, and, like, you think back to all the weird plays that have happened against the Chiefs. You think back to the Andrew Luck <sighs> fumble, or I think it was the running back fumble, that Andrew Luck picks up and goes in for the touchdown. You think about the Marcus Mariota pass to himself. Yeah, those I, don't, plays, I, don't, I don't want to think about that. And those plays, and this play, is what happens to the Chiefs in the playoffs. But they were still able to overcome it because that's how good Patrick Mahomes, that's how good the defense played, and Chris Jones. Yeah. And so, when they are up 2013 driving... If they would have scored there, it would have felt like ultimate confidence. Yeah. After they gave up, after they, they had the fumble and then the Bengals went down and scored on the fourth and six, that was a moment for me where I was like, uh-oh, this is not good. Ah. But then the Chiefs, it was like, okay, they might be okay, and they start driving down again with like two and a half minutes left, and then they stall out at like the 40. And because you couldn't kick field goals super far, you just couldn't kick it. And I wonder if that actually worked to K, to, to the Chiefs you know, benefit because let's say the weather wasn't like that and they would have actually trotted out Harrison Bucker to a 56-yarder. If he misses that kick, the Bengals have it around midfield with two minutes left. They're just going to run the clock out and try to kick field goal. Probably. But they ended up punting it, pinned him deep. I thought the Bengals were screwed after the roughing, the, or not the roughing the pass, intentional grounding, and they somehow got it. And then when they got it, it was like, <laughs> I was back to a point where I was like, oh, they're screwed. <laughs> but Chris Jones came up with the big play. Patrick more, more, more spin zone here. I have more faith in the Chiefs defense on third and seven than I do on third and 15. <laughs> I think the Chiefs have a better chance of getting a stop on third and seven, third and 15. That's definitely a thing how I felt this past year with KU football. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yep. Okay. KU takes down Kentucky on Saturday, too. Overall, fun weekend. Um, great, great weekend. One of the best. And we're so, going to cap it off tomorrow with another big win for KU. I was thinking about think. this because they had three straight losses, and then you win on the road in Lexington. Kentucky's not a great team, but they had been playing a lot better. It's still a good win anytime you go on the road. I mean, you know, yeah. top 30 team in the country. Sure. There were a lot of things that turned around for KU from their previous play to what they did in that game, and we talked about some of them. A lot of the starters played better. You got a little bit of bench contributions from the center. What was the one, the biggest turnaround for you that, that swung the game? Hmm. I would maybe have to say the Grady Dick three. I'm trying to think what the score was when he hits that. I mean, I think it was within five. Grady hadn't hit a three all night, all game. That was the moment where it was like, okay, he hadn't hit one all night, but he still knocked it down when KU needed it. I'm, I can't think of the score. That was a big moment. I think you could. I think you could list. I mean, Kevin McCuller had two or three and ones. You could probably highlight any one of those as big plays. I'm trying to think what else. It was just a really good all around game. I mean, DeWan, both of his threes were early, so they didn't. I mean, in terms of like a turnaround moment in the game, they didn't feel that. But like anytime he hits a three, you're out of your chair. You're fired up. That was big. The Uday dunk that you talked about earlier. But I think in terms of like 
turnaround moment or like moment where it was like, all right, the boys are the boys are gonna get it done. Probably the Grady Dick three. Hmm. I uh I, I think of ruining it from that standpoint, the Jalen Wilson three that he had when they cut it to one was kind of the big one. But just in terms of overall for the game, to me the biggest difference of why they won as opposed to their kind of three straight losses. I I kind of want to circle like Dewan Harris just being kind of back and engaged his and scoring. His, his threes came early. Yeah, but it was it, it all counts. I I feel like it's KJ Adams though to me. We've seen him be okay. a, it was it was 60 wait. That's not right. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, it was 64 to 62 when Grady Dick hit that three. With just under 5 minutes left. Mhm. I think that's got to be the one. Yeah. Or Jalen hitting a three when it was 67-64. Yeah, that one was big, too. No, but I, I think the KJ Adams would be the one turnaround. I, I guess that make, makes the most. Because when you look at what Oscar Shibway was okay, at the I, other end. I totally realized I just misinterpreted your question. I know. You did. It's okay. I, I took it anyway and ran with it. Um, okay. Sorry. I, the, I thought you were asking about, like, specifically in the game. No, I I, I know what you meant. Um, okay. That's, that's my bad. I think that. The KJ going from back-to-back games where he got in foul trouble. And he got in a little foul trouble in this game, but it wasn't enough to discount him from playing big minutes, which is the most important thing. And going from games where against TCU he was one for six and against Baylor he was one for five. So the last two games he was, before the Kentucky game, he was two for 11. To go from that to go to eight of 10... Against Oscar Shibway and go straight into him and just finish over him. Yeah. That was huge. So to yeah. me, that was the biggest turnaround in the past few games versus this game. Okay, now that I understand your question and I'm mm-hmm. not an idiot, I'll go with I'll go with Dewan, actually. Because I think uh, like as important as KJ is, like at the end of the day, if Kansas is gonna win tough games, it's gonna be because Dewan's playing well. Like Kansas, in my mind, could win a a tough close game, even if KJ is struggling. I mean, they almost did it. They almost did it against K State. But I, I, on, the, on, the, on the flip side of that, against K State, Dewan was struggling and they didn't win. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd have to go with Dewan because he's he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy that if he's playing well, you're going to win any game. You can survive, I think, if if KJ's not playing well. You can survive if Kevin's not playing well. You can survive if Grady's not playing well. Jalen is the other one, but Jalen obviously has been hasn't had any slump yet. He's been he's been on a hot streak. Dewan is the other guy that he needs to be not okay. Let me let me rephrase this. Dewan needs to he doesn't need to be playing great, but he needs to be playing well. Does that make sense? Yes. Like he doesn't need to be he doesn't need to be at a high level. Like he can't bottom. He just out. has to be at a consistent. Yeah. And 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 if he's doing that. You're gonna have a good chance to win most close games, right? Like you can get away with Grady having a bad shooting night. You can yes. get away with Kevin having a bad shooting night. Again, like those things aren't ideal. You don't want them to happen, but you can win but a close it, game. Exactly, you can find a way to win a close. Dewan game. can't bottom out because no. bottoming out for Dewan, it's not it's about the what shooting. happened in the K State game. Exactly, it's yeah. him just disappearing. It's him having bad turnovers, and that can't happen. And, and yeah. it's something that hasn't really happened very often. That's why. No, I mean it, it was it's only happening when it did. Two or three times in his career, maybe. And yeah. it's in the last three, two or three games. So we'll see if that that carries over for him. Uh, Kevin, who played really well in the Baylor game, too. KJ Adams, if, if they can kind of keep up 
uh, the turnaround and play well against Kansas State on Tuesday night. Yep. Have it for you here on KLWN at 530. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it.